When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo! How about that? You should have been pulled in the front of they have faith in you. You should have been pulled in the fifth that they had faith in you. And you. It's time for another edition of the Hey! It's Enrico Palazzo Baseball Podcast. It's episode 28. On today's show, we have a very special guest, an actress and a baseball enthusiast. Ellen Adair joins us to talk about baseball, the Phillies, and the meaning of life. Join your hosts, Christopher Deary and Michael Govier, as they dissect the Phillies, MVP candidates, Cy Young possibilities, and which team will be the wackiest playoff entry in 2020. Take it away, everybody! You're listening live to the Hey, it's Rico Palazzo Baseball Podcast. I am Michael Govier. I am one of the hosts of this show. I've been around for 27 episodes. This is episode 28, and my host for, I believe, almost every single one of those episodes. Maybe you missed one. I don't know. There was some just sad times, some depression back when <laughs> baseball was not likely to happen. Now that we're on the eve of baseball, here he is. Chris Deary is excited as he's ever been to do this podcast. Yeah, that's so, it's so funny you bring it up. I swear there was probably two weeks where I was just, I was in hiding because I was so just depressed about the status of baseball. But we are here. We are on the precipice of new life beginning again tomorrow. And baseball is back. And I am beyond excited. And speaking of excited, see what that is? That's a segue. We have a wonderful guest. Ellen Adair is here. Have I said your name properly? I didn't even ask you before we went on the air how to properly say your name. No, you nailed it. Yeah. Adair. Adair is the way that it said. Welcome to the show, Ellen. Uh, please introduce yourself. Tell us about yourself. What's going on in your world so we can get to know you briefly before we pellet you with questions. Excellent. I'm so lucky to be here. Or Excuse me. I'm so glad to be here for, for lucky number 28. 
Lucky 28 podcast. Lucky 28. Um, my name is Ellen Adair, as we've established. Um, I am an actor primarily. I've done shows like Homeland and The Sinner and the NBC miniseries The Slap. But I am also just a crazy baseball fan. I, I term it an unhealthy love of baseball. That's what's on my business cards. And really? yes, yes. <laughs> and I have a, a podcast called Take Me Into the Ball Game with my husband, um, in which we rate baseball movies on the 20 to 80 scouting scale used for baseball prospects. And I do some writing at the turf. That is awesome. I have a podcast with my girlfriend, but we don't talk about baseball. We talk about like life and philosophical <laughs> and existential issues. It sucks. My husband and I are both actors, and so we do enough of that on our own <laughs> non-podcast time. <laughs> My wife's too scared to get on the podcast, so we'll never see her. But she loves baseball. Yeah, absolutely. And she loves movies, so there's the that dynamic right there. But yeah, that sounds awesome, Ellen. A, a podcast about baseball movies, which I love. Yes. And I mean, really, we, we started this podcast uh, this year when we had no major league baseball to watch. And so really I just use it as an excuse to talk about baseball. And, but because we are both actors, we also know a certain amount about like, you know, what actually goes on in filmmaking and we're both writers. And so we think a lot about how stories are told and stuff like that. So I feel like it's, it's kind of a, a perfect marriage of our obsessions. Ooh. Yes, you can find Ellen on Twitter at Ellen, the standard spelling. At Ellen world. underscore Adair. That's right. There it is. A D A I R. Ad air. It's just ad air. That's that simple. Put the two words together. And yes, this is the Blazo Podcast. Two L's, two Z's. At protonmail.com is where you can email the show. We'd love to hear from you. We'd like to know what's on your mind in the baseball realm. It's uh the eve of opening day. We're on the brink, the precipice. The ledge, the plateaus, whatever you want to call it. We're going over a cliff. Use any cliche you want. I'm really thrilled to be doing this show today because we get to talk about actual baseball results in 24 hours. And that really gets me going. And Ellen, I want to know, what's one thing? Is there one thing in particular? If we can narrow down life to one thing, which is really almost impossible, if you ask me. But let's do it anyways, because this is a show about baseball and getting to the finest point possible. What's the one thing you're most excited about for the this coming season? Oh, it's probably to see Aaron Nola pitch. He's my favorite. Yes. And I, you know, I'm very excited about my Phillies in general, just because I feel like there's such a wide range of outcomes, <laughs> like with so many of the players. So mm. it's really interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I completely agree. It's a really, really strong team a lot of talent yeah, last year last two years underachieving occurred there's been a lot of money dumped into the team uh you know living i lived in philadelphia for five months last year and i really got to immerse myself for as much as you can immerse yourself in a community for five months i'm sorry <laughs> oh yeah well philadelphia was a place that i learned a lot about life and thank you philly i appreciate that uh... even at 38 years old i still learn but I did learn that the Phillies failed and Gabe Kapler was fired. And now we have Joe Girardi. Is Joe Girardi the savior? 
I sure hope so. I mean, the players really seem to be very excited. They they're all expressing a lot of excitement with the with the whole like regime change in general. I think part of my excitement is not just that we have Joe Girardi, but also that we have Brian Price and Joe Dillon in the new pitching and hitting coaches. And so there's just a generally new approach, um, which I feel like is good in the spirit of scientific inquiry. But the players have done a great job of being like, we're so excited and now we get to do this without specifically throwing people under the bus, which is a delicate dance, but they're doing it well. Oh, okay. I could see that. By the way, how do you handle this quarantine? Because, you know, there's more to life than baseball. And here at the Palazzo Podcast, we do care about all aspects of life. Have you been able to survive all right? Do you feel like you're going to make it through? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I can't complain. I feel like mostly 2020 has been an exercise in me thinking about how astonishingly privileged I am. And, you know, I really miss acting and I miss even if it's just, you know, auditioning and kind of being in the ins and outs of the industry. But I'm really lucky that even though I'm unemployed, my husband still has a job. Um, so many people I know, their entire household doesn't have any income at all. And, you know, as as well as obviously, like, I'm a white person. <laughs> and so I think in 2020, all of us white people are thinking about how we are also privileged to be white people. So yeah, mostly uh, my my Campaign slogan is 2020, I can't complain. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think uh, me and Chris, we are on board with you. We support you. In our effort to get honest and get humble in 2020, we are also white people. And unfortunately, uh, whites have had it too good for too long, and it's time for us to have a reality check. So, you know, this is a show about baseball. But, you know, we did do a podcast blackout in support of George Floyd, and we're always trying to be supportive of the memory of Mr. Floyd, but at the same time, we still, you know, there are venues to talk about baseball and there's times to talk about other things. And we would be happy to have other conversations outside of the podcast, but we do focus on baseball on the show, but we always want to let our listeners know that we're going to have principles and damn it, we're going to stick to them on this show. So if we can be of service in any way, please email us or let us know because we are here to help. We're just part of the, uh, part of the machine of people that are trying to, to hopefully make this a better country for everyone who lives in it. End of sentence. You guys are heroes. Whoa, oh my God. Love I mean, to, to be clear, like I'm also here to talk about baseball, but you asked. And so I answered your question. You're right. No, I wanted to go. Yeah. You know, I could totally go down this road, but let's stick to baseball for now. But I always like to have a mind to the general future of our world. Having said that, let us get into leading off. Well, now we're going to talk about, this is the show, really. We're going to break down summer camp, the final days. We've had exhibition games. we got COVID crisis going on for players. we got the Blue Jays, which we'll talk about later in the show in our mound visit. The uncertainty now after PNC Park was locked in. Now it's not so clear anymore because the Harrisburg Health Department says, uh-oh, I don't think that's happening. So we'll talk about that in our mound visit. We're going to break down division winners, wild cards, World Series winners, and in our fantasy breakdown, we'll talk about, hey, who we like for best reliever, home run champ, batting champ, breakout players, stuff like that. And, of course, we'll get Ellen's take on questions about the Phillies. And the Woo. 
inside Palazzo Studio, where I'll ask her stupid questions that have no value whatsoever, but hopefully it's entertaining. Stupid right. questions are the ones that are the most appropriate for me. Oh, great. It's been my, it's been my favorite segment the last two weeks, so I think Ellen is perfect for this. Yeah, I really hope it works out. And if it doesn't, uh, you know, we'll just edit all this out. It's like it never happened, right? <laughs> oh, that's the dream. <laughs> so in the world of baseball, we've had, uh, you know, COVID has been a big issue. Austin Meadows, Freddie Freeman, Yohan Mankata. Uh, today, Hunter Dozier was announced. Uh, he's going to be dealing with the COVID, unfortunately, which will limit his potential for having a fun season. So COVID is having a big effect on the game. And, you know, Yazio Puig, his contract got rescinded because of COVID. Yeah. There's a lot going on with this. Uh, how do we, how do you look at players who have COVID from a fantasy perspective? Are you someone who says, you know what, everybody's going to get it eventually, so you might as well just draft a guy for his original value preseason, or does it change things for you? Oh, well... I have a lot of anxiety about like talking about the sports implications of somebody having a disease, which I am sure that you guys do as well. So mm. yeah, it has, it has actually made uh, thinking about fantasy sort of challenging for me recently. However, I think if I know that somebody is going to miss some time for whatever reason, I'm going to downgrade them a little bit, you know, whether or not that's like, Oh, Zach Wheeler might miss some time because of the birth of his child that is excellent. That's the right choice. Or, you know, who knows if Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is going to miss some time because of, you know, the issue with his side. Is that an oblique injury, like going to downgrade him? Um, so, yeah, you know, if if we know that Gregory Polanco um, doesn't necessarily have a date when it looks like he's coming back for, our, for a fantasy perspective, I do need to downgrade him. Yeah, that's true. I, I think it's important to know that these are human beings. And we always do that on this show because we cover the mental health aspect. These are home human beings that are trying to get through a difficult time with a serious disease. So that does matter. But at the same time, people are playing fantasy and they're putting money on things and it does matter to them. So I'm not going to be so cynical to say I don't understand that, but I'm also not going to be such a cruel, kind of disrespectful person to their people who have to get through the pain of having a fever of 100. I mean, Freddie Freeman said he really went through it. So, Yeah, Scott issue. Kingery had a bad case as well. Oh, I love Scott Kingery. Yeah. But I he's okay him. now. And it's, you know, I'm so happy that we're going to get Freddie Freeman back uh, in time for the start of the season as well. <laughs> Is that facetiousness or what's no i'm happy like i i'm yes i do not love the braves but like i want all of the players to be well i want everybody to be healthy like i would prefer to beat the braves because the phillies are excellent rather than because the braves are not there yeah i think mike and i talked about this a few weeks ago as we we're going to do a segment about like biggest busts in fantasy this year and we kind of steered away from it because we we're kind of rooting for everybody to be well and uh, have good seasons. And hopefully I, I, I really hope there aren't fans out there saying, Ooh, I really hope, you know, Bryce Harper gets COVID or Mookie Betts gets COVID. I really hope people aren't hoping for that. And you want everyone to be back full strength. And if your Phillies are going to overtake the Braves or the nationals in that division, you want to do it with your best team against their best. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm sure that there aren't people who are like, oh, I hope such and such person gets COVID. But I'm, I live in a completely, (laughs) I guess it's true. Look at the state of our country. Um, But like, I completely believe that people are like, oh, well, at least this is an advantage for us. Like, I don't want him to be sick. But yeah, I mean, my, my personal least favorite player in Major League Baseball um, has COVID and I still don't want him to be sick. Oh, wow. Well, that makes me sad. I feel like baseball is not important anymore. I think we should stop the show. No. I'm giving up. This COVID has just got me too depressed now. I'm sorry. It's been yeah. a real balance, though, for me as a fan. Like, I'm very excited for as much baseball as we're going to get. But I'm just really anxious about the health of the players and the staff also. Maybe I'm... I really think I am a recovering cynic. I, in fact, I used to have that on my Twitter bio. (laughs) I could be so bold. Um, But I do believe that these guys just, they get the best treatment. There's so much money invested in these guys. It's an unfair system we live in already. So I I really just don't. COVID is a real thing. I'm not dismissing that whatsoever. I wear a mask everywhere I go and all that stuff. But for players at the elite levels, I just feel like they get the best treatment and they're going to be fine. And maybe, does that make me. Am I out of touch? No, not at all. I mean, what I do absolutely think, I think that like a few early testing snafus aside, et cetera, I think that um, MLB is doing a really good job of literally everything that they can do to take care of the players they are going to do. So that is not sort of on the list of my concerns. I'm just worried about, you know, players traveling to Florida. Um you know, like that's kind of that's the level of my concern. I feel like if if they had figured out a different way to kind of like really limit travel and put teams that are in states where there are a lot of cases right now, just move them to like a triple A ballpark or a college ballpark or something somewhere else that would be safer and also perhaps minimize travel for the teams. Like I would feel better about that. But actually I, at this point, I feel like I'm the one being a negative Nancy and that is never what I want to do. <laughs> well, I'm definitely not going to call you negative Nancy because that's not your name. So I would not do that, but <laughs> I do reside in a world where I understand the realities we're in. And we're hoping that everybody here understands that. So I wish everybody who has COVID in MLB and around the world the best recovery. Speaking of exhibition games, Eva, Ellen, have you been able to watch any of these actual, not intra-squad games, but actual preseason matchups like uh, you know, the Marlins and Braves, the Reds and Tigers have played the last couple of nights? Have you watched any of these? Or I watched the um, Phillies and the Yankees. But it was uh, a, definitely a, and I watched a very small amount, and I only partly watched um, some of the Phillies Orioles the previous day. But yeah, it was a comedy of errors of me trying to watch the, uh, trying to watch those games this weekend. <laughs> I know Chris has probably been watching baseball like a madman, right, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. I got to ask you, Ellen, what do you think of the pumped in feed of the crowd and kind of the bustling and maybe some cheering after after hits? Does that hit with you or uh, or do you not like it so much? I'm a fan. This was a a point of contention, actually, when I was on MLB Network last Friday, um, because Brian, Brian Kenny is like definitely not for it. And I'm basically for it. I'm at least for some kind of a sound bed that just sounds like people are 
in the stadium, like talking to each other instead of like the sound of a completely empty ballpark. And I feel like for me, that's as much for the players not hearing like the increased sounds of the complete emptiness of the ballpark, you know what I mean? So that they can still like talk to each other and not feel like it's going to be heard by everybody. Uh, so yeah, I, I feel more mixed about there being kind of like a laugh track of, you know, applause because that I feel like it's going to be hard for it to be realistic. I think at least in in terms of um you know particular fan bases i guess and how much would the crowd really be excited about that fly ball and things like that but yeah definitely some kind of a sound in there i think is just perhaps better for everybody's concentration yeah i don't think i don't think it takes away from the game at all while i'm watching i'm not like oh my god this uh this sound is totally taking away from the game but uh, to your point i think what's going to be interesting is that laugh track and when they're plugging in applause i mean it's a 9-1 game the tigers are losing and there's a double by you know christian stewart are, are people going to be erupting no there's in a normal season there'd be 2,500 people there and like four people would stand up and clap so that, that'll be the interesting part uh, totally. and, and we'll uh make for a lot of funny uh um sound bites for sure yeah yeah ellen i'm just curious you've been on mlb network more than once right i've been on three times yeah so can he how does that happen i'm just curious i mean you're an actress so you've been on tv and movies and stuff but do you have like i mean maybe you can't reveal it i'm just fascinated how you've been able to get on there and i think that's really really cool i, I did see that last friday that was awesome yeah i just got a call from my manager who said there's a nice person at mlb network who wants to know if you want to come on the show and i was like of course uh so i didn't really know how the dots were connected until I was I was there and I think mentioned it. And one of the producers in my ear said, oh, it's because I heard you on Effectively Wild. So it was just because oh. I was I was on a, on a podcast. But I think like I am I'm a dancing pony a little bit in like, look, it's this actor who also likes baseball. So I'm not sure that like just to be on a podcast is necessarily the path to getting on MLB Network. But like, it, you know, it can't hurt. Oh, so. man. Nothing gets by you, does it? I'd like that about you. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, you're just keeping it real. You're honest yeah. about who you are, where you're being, where you've been, you know, all that stuff. So. I don't mind being Positive. a dancing pony. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the other thing. You accept, you seem to accept who you are, and I respect people who are honest about who they are and are fair at the same time. And I get that vibe from you, so I'd like to give you credit for that. Oh, I'd like to give you credit for being wonderful. <laughs> not, that, not that you give a shit about what I think at all, but I do like to comment people, comment people, compliment people on this show, because I think it's fun to have baseball connections from random parts of the cyber universe i mean i have never met you in real life and me and deary don't get to see each other in real life but here we all are in a little box on a screen and now we're talking to each other and i love that and that's why this show gives me the drive to keep doing it every week so thank you for doing this thank you for being who you are and everybody who's listening thank you for being you right now preach okay <laughs> moving forward let's talk possibilities scenarios who will take the gold in the regular season? We're not going to cover every single thing, but we would like to assume 
some division winners. Now, are we to make the judgment that you are picking the Phillies for the NL East, or are you going to go rogue? Oh, so I feel like I can only attack this kind of an exercise by thinking, what do I think is most likely to happen versus what I want to happen? Because I know from experience in life that what I want to happen isn't usually what happens. Um, So I think that uh, the Braves, I think the Braves will win the division. Um, I obviously, I would love it to be the Phillies. And in fact, I would love it to be anybody besides the Braves. Um, But I just, I think with the Braves, you know, they lost Donaldson, but they added Marcel Ozuna and the Nationals, who I think are their sort of biggest competition also lost Rendon. So yeah, I just think that the the Braves are still really strong and, you know, the Nationals definitely have the edge with pitching, especially since the Braves have lost Cole Hamels. Um, uh, at least temporarily with his tricep injury and Felix Hernandez opted out. But, you know, they have Soroka and Freed and they're both on the cusp of greatness. And, you know, I, I think for their for their fifth starter, I'm not sure if it's decided if it's going to be Kyle Wright, but neither Kyle Wright nor Bryce Wilson showed particularly well last year, but the samples were very small. So I'm sure that they're going to turn it around. Hmm. Okay. Deary, who do you got for the NL East? I got the Braves. Uh, it's my favorite division out of all of them because I think the Nats and Phillies, and even to the Mets as an ex, you know, as an extension, all have a shot to win it, especially Mets in a sixty games, especially, especially in a sixty game sprint. But I think it's the Braves. I think the offense is just too overwhelming, and you know, Ellen brought up Soroka and Freed. Those guys are both absolute studs. You know, a guy like Sean Newcomb who could maybe start or come out of the bullpen in some wrong, long relief. With their pretty good bullpen, I, I think they're kind of the, the team to beat in the East. Ooh, okay, I like that. How about the NL Central? That's a fun division. Speaking of challenging divisions, the NL East is loaded. The NL Central is loaded. Ellen, I think you're going to take the Cardinals. Am I wrong? You are wrong. The, in this one, actually, I'm, I have decided that who I want it to be, it might also actually be. And, oh, man, do I want it to be the Reds mm. um, because their rotation is just so dreamy. Like Luis Castillo might be in my favorite 10 non-Phillies players. I just love him. And his changeup is like a Renaissance painting. And like I was all in on the Sunny Gray bounce back last offseason, and I was thrilled to see him do so well. And then they've got Trevor Bauer, who is like, you know, maybe he will tinker himself back into excellence. And like, uh, I'm not a huge Wade Miley believer, um, but they have Anthony DiSclefani and they have Tyler Molly waiting in the wings. And then they signed Nick Castellanos, who... Um, was so good with the Cubs, obviously, uh, and I think will be helped by moving to the Reds ballpark and Mike Moustakis and Shogo Akiyama. Like, this is a different lineup, Um, and they have way more outfielders than they know what to do with, which is crazy. So, yeah, I think, like, it could be the Reds, and I really want it to be the Reds. Ooh, I completely agree with you. I love the Reds. They're such an exciting team. They're classic uniforms. They're a classic franchise. Always enjoyed the Reds, and I would love to see them win this division. Deary, you going with somebody else? Jesus is such a tough division because you take the Pirates out, and then I think you have Reds, Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs. I think 
any of those teams can win it and any of those teams can finish fourth. Mm -hmm. I've gone back and forth between pretty much the Brewers and the Reds for a few weeks now. Um, but I think it's I'm going to go with the Reds because it's what I want to see happen. I don't know yeah. what it is about that team. Um, it's been a while since they were competitive. They've made all the right moves in the offseason, specifically that Nick Castellano signing. They have a slew of outfielders that are all interchangeable. And they have an amazing pitching staff. And I talked about it before that I think this is the year Trevor Bauer really breaks out. I think maybe in a 162-game season, I'd, I'd lean more towards a Brewers or Cardinals. But I think in a short sprint like this, I think the Reds can get hot and run away with the division. I love it. Mm, yeah. I feel like the reason that the Reds are so exciting to get behind are not only like, you know, perhaps that they feel like a little bit of an underdog story because they haven't been very good um, in recent seasons. But also I feel like for any baseball fan, we have to love seeing a team go out there and like try to get better in the offseason. So, you know, I remember actually having that conversation when I was on MLB Network um, in December, um, it was the day that they had signed Wade Miley. And I it was like off air, but Brian Kenny and I had the conversation. He was like, I don't know if, the, if it really makes a difference. And I was like, I love them for trying. Like, and now I feel like they did it, you know, or they could. The Tigers tried for 12 years and couldn't do it. <laughs> they spent all the money in the world and couldn't do it. I think the, the Reds actually made uh, sneakier and better signings, more affordable. Ooh. All the money in the world. Remember that nightmare of a movie? Man, it actually wasn't that bad with Christopher Plummer did a good job. Did you see that one, Ellen? <laughs> I didn't. I haven't seen it, no. Yeah. It was a few years ago, right? Kevin Spacey, Nightmare. Oh, God. That's... And then Old Man Plummer comes in and does a great job. Not, you know. No, they're all being old, but it's amazing. He's like 90 now, and he's still killing it. It's really impressive. He's amazing. Let's see. Yeah, I knew it. Yeah, I knew, everybody loves Christopher Plummer, right? All right. So how about the NL West? Uh, L.A. Dodgers. Anybody challenging the L.A. Dodgers here, uh, Ellen? No. Yeah. I mean, I want it to be the Diamondbacks, but is it going to be the Dodgers? I That's yeah, you. We are on the same page. I love the Diamondbacks, too. But, yeah, it's the Dodgers. Right, Deary? Yeah, I, I think there's a couple sneaky teams that, you know, could have a shot. Diamondbacks, a lot of people like the Padres. I'm not so high on the Padres. I love the Rockies for some weird reason, maybe because I just love Trevor Story so much. They're in the playoffs um, two years ago, so, I mean, they just had a bad year last year. Yeah, I mean, they're never going to get any pitching from, from uh, that staff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's the Dodgers. I, I like the Diamondbacks. I think the Diamondbacks are a team that could maybe get in the wild card, but they're certainly going to be in contention. Mm, I like that. Let's run over to the AL. AL East. This is a tough nut to crack, as they like to say. I think it's the Rays and the Yankees. Ellen, can you challenge that? I mean, no. I think it's most likely to be the Yankees, but I would rather it be the Rays. Um, I mean, what what is what is true is that obviously I think that depth is going to be so important in this season in particular because there are going to be more uh, ways in which a player can hit the injured list. And so I think that that is why both of these teams are actually very well positioned to compete in this strange season. But I just, I feel like everything always breaks right for the Yankees. And so it's going to be the Yankees. <laughs> Deary, uh, Yankees? 
Yeah, it's the Yankees, and it's a lot of it has to do with the fact that their bullpen is so just unreal. I mean, Chapman's down right now, and they have four other guys that can go in and close with, you know, Green or Britton, Adovino, uh, M. Conley. So they got a lot of guys there. However, if they stumble into injuries that we've seen before, specifically with guys like Judge and Stanton and Torres, very few of those guys have been able to get through a full season, then it's certainly the, the Rays to take it. The Rays may be one of the most balanced teams where anybody can shift around and play. Uh, they're kind of set up for a season like this because they do that opener. Cash has been doing it the last few years with some of their bullpen guys starting off games. So I, I think that's something that's going to be it's going to play into a lot this season. And I think the Rays are going to do that a ton. And I think this, this division will probably come down to the last few couple series. And unfortunately, I don't think the Rays and Yankees play each other like in the last three weeks, which is kind of frustrating. Oh, that is frustrating. And then our beloved Tigers in the AL Central. No chance in hell that they win this division, but maybe they'll make it interesting because it's a 60-game season. You have no idea what will actually happen. These predictions we're making, Poppycock, we have no idea. There's no guarantees. There's some possibilities. But in the AL Central, Ellen, is it clearly the Twins here again? Or uh, do you think it's Cleveland Spiders? <laughs> um, the Central is the division in which the team that I want it to be is also the team that I think is the most likely. Uh, I think that it is going to be the Twins and, you know, they were the Bomba squad last year and they've only gotten better now that they have Josh Donaldson and they've added Kent Maeda, who is one of my favorites. And like they're going to get as much as they can out of Rich Hill. And they have the easiest schedule and also the most improved schedule in a 60-game season. There was this great article on The Athletic by Tim Britton where he kind of synthesized um, last year's record and projections for this year and Vegas odds and figured out that the Twins' opponents have a winning percentage of 468. Um, But I would also actually be happy with... uh, with an Indians, uh, excuse me, a Cleveland Spiders upset um, or the White Sox, either of those. I mean, in some ways, like what I'm really rooting for this season is for things just to get really weird. So both of those surprises would make me happy. We always want things to get weird on this show, so I completely agree. Deary Twins, right? Yeah, I'm going with the Twins, but I have a lot of hesitation because I just, I don't believe in their four and five starters unless randy dobnik can be their fourth or fifth starter i i i'm hesitant to choose them i think barrios is going to have an amazing season i think if odorizzi has the same first half as he had last year they'll be really good and i love kenta maeda i mean ellen said he's one of uh, her favorite players but the reason they're probably going to take the division is they're just going to mash the ball you add josh donaldson who you could see last year what he does in a full season of being healthy i mean he was a stud last year he's huge for atlanta so I, I think it's the Twins, but I think the Indians and White Sox are going to make it very interesting. Everybody loves – I love the White Sox. Everyone loves the White Sox. A lot of fun players. Luis Robert, yeah. Norman Mancata. I mean, it's just hours of entertainment, no doubt about it. But the AL West, the most hated team in baseball, the Houston Astros, Ellen, can the trash can bangers get it done? Or are you going for Oakland? I would like it to be Oakland, but I think it's most likely to be the Astros again. Yeah. Darn it. Yeah. I mean, obviously they lost Cole, but they're getting McCullers back. And like, he's obviously a question mark because it's questionable when players come back from Tommy John. Um, But hashtag that curveball, though. And I know that they are 
missing Jordan Alvarez and her uh, Jose Urquidy. Uh, as far as I know, they're still not in camp, um, though for like undisclosed reasons. Uh, and Josh James was held up, but it seems like he should be ready to slot into the rotation. And Josh James could be incredible this year. So, you know, even though the rotation isn't quite what it was last year, we're still looking at Verlander, Granke, McCullers, James, and then maybe Framber Valdez in the fifth spot. So, like, they've got options. And the offense is basically intact, minus the questions around Alvarez. Yep. I mean, there's... I would love Oakland to win too. And, you know, they, they pulled off crazier things. But Deary, what do you think? I want it to be the A's so bad, but I, I so just don't, I just don't see their starting pitching hold, holding up enough. I'm not a huge fan of the Astros starting pitching either. I mean, obviously, Verlander, if you're only throwing him out 10 starts, it's less of a chance for him to get injured. But, I mean, how much does Zach Grinke have left? Um, I know he's just kind of a specialist at this point. But I think what's really going to help the Astros, I, I like the Astros bullpen, especially once Osuna can start throwing for them. Ryan Presley was you know, unbelievable last year. And Josh James. Josh James is not someone that we have talked about at all on our pod, Mike. And he was someone, someone I was looking at last night. His K per nine last year was close to 14. And a short season like this might be a, a chance for him to kind of break out in a small you know, fashion. So I think it's probably the Astros, but I'm, I'm rooting for the A's, that's for sure. Oscar the Grouch would be pissed. That's all I know. However, in a wild season, let's one real quickly. Who is the sneakiest, goofiest, wackiest team that could make the playoffs, Ellen? Just a, a pure wild card. Angels. Oh, I would also Bundy love it if the Angels. That would be so delightful to me. Yes. I love the Angels. Man, you hit all the heartstrings with me. I love the Angels. I love all these teams. I think the Angels have so much potential. They've really bolstered up the uh, the rotation a bit. I love Dylan Bundy to have a finally have that season. He was ready and destined to have. I agree. I think that's fun. I love Griffin Canning. I hope he like. I hope he can just hold it together for for twelve starts. He looked amazing the other night. Six in his yeah. five Ks. He was he flew through it. Seventy six pitches. He was. I mean, it's a exhibition game but still he looked very efficient i wasn't watching but i only heard that he was very good that was my yeah i just want to like not i don't want to fake that i watched him pitch unfortunately <laughs> the only reason i know that is honest I, to a fault <laughs> yeah, the only reason i know is because i do those they do the videos for rotofanatic.com the quality starts which you guys could watch every day rotofanatic.com gives you all the latest news tell you about the griffin canning starts tell you about all the wonderful things happening in the world of baseball End of plug. Deary, who's the wackiest team that could make the playoffs? So I wanted to go with the Blue Jays. Uh, Mainly just because I'm rooting for those, you know, those MLB babies over there with Biggio and Bichette and Guerrero. I think they're a few years away from really being competitive over there in the ace because I just don't think they have the starting pitching. But in a short season, who knows? I mean, they they got some real big bats in that lineup. And, you know, you're bringing Ryu over from the Dodgers. I mean, he's going to be consistent. I mean, if you can get starts from Matt Shoemaker and Tanner Rourke, two guys have been in the league, proven they can pitch before. Maybe they just sneak up on everybody and have a really good, you know, run. I mean, if all it'll take is a two to three week real nice run where you're 10, 10, 12 games above 500 and you're right in it, even with a couple bad weeks. So um, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think that would kind of be the wackiest. I think a safer pick would be more of like a, a, a Diamondbacks or a Cardinals or something like that. We want wacky. We don't want safe here. We want to get crazy. We want to live on the edge. 
Look at this. What's your team? Is it the Padres? Oh, for me, uh, the wackiest team that can make the playoffs, probably probably the uh, the Mets, I guess. I think the Mets are the wackiest. Pretty wacky. Yep, yep. Solidly wacky choice. (laughs) But I could see, you know, we were saying this before, but yes, I could totally see the Mets winning the division. It's 60 games. It could definitely happen. It's very possible. They they have a lot of talent over there, and Cespedes looks like he's back on track for the first time in a couple of years. Who the hell knows? But I would love to see the Mets make the playoffs just to upend the system. But I am rooting for the Phillies, too. I, I'm torn. Everything I say is just completely contradicting itself because there's so many fun teams. It just never you're rooting, ends. You're rooting for everybody this year. That's that's kind of the main statement that needs to be made. We're rooting for everybody this year. Well, when your team sucks, yeah, you just buy into <laughs> all kinds of other teams. It's great. Three games, Mike. We got a shot. <laughs> That's the that's the benefit of your team sucking. It's great. You just can go check out other teams and dive in for a season. I love it. What about you out there? We'd love to hear from you. Do you have a wacky wild card winner? Please email the show, Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Two L's, two Z's, Palazzo Podcast on Twitter. DM us. Send us a picture of yourself watching baseball. Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe uh, going for a walk. I don't know. Walking your dog, throwing a, having a catch with your son or daughter, you know, have a nice catch and send us a picture and we'll shed a tear. Field of dream style. And it's time now for everybody's favorite segment. It's inside Palazzo studio, a tribute to the dearly departed James Lipton, a great man from what I hear. Uh, Ellen, are you ready to answer some speedy questions? I'm going to try. I'm not a speedy question answerer, but I will try. All right. Iced tea or lemonade? Oh, lemonade. Oh, that was quick. Great. Uh, For love or money? Love. Oh, that's wonderful. This is flying by. Uh, Philadelphia or New York City? New York City. (laughs) That's very tough. Yeah, I mean, this is where I live, and it is, I think it's my favorite city in the United States, but it's tough because Philly is home. So, of course, I love it as well. Writing or acting? Acting, but it's close. Oh. Uh, Bryce Harper or Lenny Dykstra? Bryce Harper. Come on, Mike. Lenny? East, yeah. East or uh, East or West Coast? East Coast. Mm. Chicken or waffles? <sighs> waffles. Mm. Boy, fried chicken is good. Um, but also chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Prince? That's... How about this? Prince or Madonna? Oh, Prince. I mean, Madonna's also great, but Prince. Ooh, easy call. Here's an interesting one. <laughs> Imagine Dragons or Nickelback. I don't know that I could name an Imagine Dragons song. So good either. (laughs) I I'm going to pick that because I know that I don't want to listen to Nickelback. It's kind of like the allure of a pitcher that you just don't know is bad yet. When you see them on the waiver wire and you're in a super deep league, you're like, I don't know that he's bad. That's my Imagine Dragons take. I don't know he's bad, but I like the name. 
Yeah. Yeah, but dragons. I I like dragons. I do too. I mean, not in my real life, but on, you know, television oh. and in books, I like dragons. Oh, sure. Right. Uh, I, I don't know if this would be tough or not. Maybe this is way off base. The Sandlot or Stand By Me, the movie. <sighs> the Sandlot. Mm, okay. All right. Uh, whistling or humming? Uh, both solid competitors. Um, I think humming, but no shade little, on whistling. A little less pervasive, maybe for others. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, do you go sharp pain or inflammation? Uh, inflammation, I think. Oh, I don't know. Be careful. That can go on for a long time. But I, I understand. That's a tough call. Uh, maple or oak? Maple. Canada appreciates that. Uh, oh yeah, maybe that was that was my subconscious love of James Paxton coming through. Maybe I don't know. Oh yeah, oh, I loved it. That was my <laughs> dark horse pick on RotoFanatic.com for Saw Young winner this year. Oh bye. Oh James, he's mm. dead to me. It's so sad. Oh no, he's on the whole now. Love to have a whole show about that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Citizens Bank or Yankee Stadium? Oh, Citizens Bank. Oh. I assume you mean Citizens Bank Park and not just like a bank. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> like I'm in that case, specific. Yankee Stadium. <laughs> I, I, I agree well, as well. I've been to Citizens Bank. I had a good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Definitely Citizens Bank Park. Uh, Brian Kenny or Dan Plesak? That's not fair. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> it doesn't mean you like one more than the other. It's just both a very lovely human beings. Oh, oh Brian Kenny. <laughs> But I also want to choose Dan Plesak. <laughs> You're right. It's not fair. And uh, no offense. Don't worry. They'll never hear this show. So don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, Beck or Bjork? Beck. Hmm. Uh, Locke or Hobbs? I'm not smart enough for this question. Oh, no. I went too far. Yeah, John uh, Locke or Thomas Hobbs. The yeah, no, no, no. I know who they are, but oh, like I can't remember their philosophies to pick one or the other. Um, and yes, I'm being honest. Words. I did not watch Griffin Canning myself. Um, uh, I'll I'll pick Hobbs. We went too deep. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Well, like I really appreciate it, but I yeah, I just feel like I I can't I can't make a deeply informed decision. Uh, Hertz or Enterprise rent a car. Hertz went bankrupt recently. Very sad. Then Enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Reese Hoskins or Scott Kingery? Reese Hoskins. I love Reese Hoskins. I really. I do. mean, I love, I love Scotty Jetpacks too, but Reese Hoskins. It's a rags to riches story. It's an underdog story. I love an underdog story. Mm -hmm. uh, you go carpet or hardwood floors? Oh, hardwood floors. However, like in my apartment, it is hardwood floors with rugs, but I understand the distinction between rug and carpet. So hardwood floors. Yep. Definitely talking for carpet, not rugs. Okay. Less and more hypoallergenic. Uh, good call. Uh, liberty I, or death? Liberty. Uh, that's an easy one, I figured. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, very allergic to basically the universe. So, yes, that is an important Yeah. No carpet for, for you then. Yeah. No. Yeah, no carpet. Uh, dodgeball or volleyball? Oh, volleyball. Hmm. 
Both fun games. Uh, fame or fortune? Hmm. Is there a third option, Mike? Well, it's, yeah, I'm trying to, here's what I'm trying to parse in my mind. Okay. If you are famous without fortune, what does that mean about the way in which you became famous? <laughs> so, like, my gut is fame. And the reason that I say that is because, to me, as a not famous person, being famous has always seemed to me like, the best avenue towards job security as an actor. There is no such thing as job security as an actor, but if you are a famous person, more people are like, oh yes, we would like to put you in our movie or even like our, you know, off-Broadway play or whatever. Mm -hmm. However, those things will lead eventually to fortune. So I cannot say that it is a binary choice. There are, however, successful actors who are not really famous per se, um, so perhaps they have amassed a certain amount of fortune without being so famous as to like be stopped on the street. So I'm going to choose fortune, but my first impulse was to choose fame. But then I realized if it's fame without fortune, that means I'm probably famous because like I did something terrible. You belong in prison, yeah. I made the news. Like that's not the kind of fame that I want. So fortune. Especially the especially being famous nowadays anyone can be famous nowadays and it's normally for bad reasons yeah it's true yep yeah i don't i don't want to be famous because there's like a youtube video of me doing something embarrassing oh no well i knew we'd get you eventually and that was the one that brought out the deep analysis well done all right <laughs> that's why uh, should be rather painless soy or almond milk almond milk hmm. i love uh, almond milk Oh, well, that was an easy call. Uh, live or let die? Live. Nice. Uh, stage or the big screen? <sighs> screen. But I also love the stage. Yeah, that's tough, right? It's it is tough. tough. Yeah. Not a fair question, really. Um, you two or Coldplay? You two. There might have been a time period when I would have answered differently, but that's when I did not know what Coldplay would become. <laughs> <laughs> there are some good albums, though, but like you two, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Things changed for Coldplay, but you're right. In the early 2000s, might have been a different story. X and Y is a great album. Ooh. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, it's like X slash yeah. Y or something. Yeah. Yeah. And. Second to last, uh, ontology or oncology? Ontology, I think. Yeah, I think I would probably go with that too. <laughs> yeah, I think most people would. Uh, and lastly, uh, what's the big final question, Deary, that I always get wrong? Oh, there's a final question? <laughs> yeah, what's oh, the final oh, question he always asked that I got wrong oh, last week? I we do? Oh, like, if there's a heaven and you die and... What is it? What's said to you when you walk into the pearly gates? What would you say? What about your life? Oh, yeah, what it is? <laughs> is that what it is? I just said, what would you want in your tombstone? That was my. Oh, okay. Well, that's right. Yeah, that's even better. Um, Ellen Adair. She liked being other people. <laughs> Perfect. 
That is succinct. And that's what we love on this show. Succinct answers. Well done. You have gotten through Palazzo Studio. That was so much fun. <laughs> Thank you for being a good sport. That was not Oh, my easy. goodness. I, I don't feel like there was any good sport necessary. Oh. There were some very difficult questions, but you know, that is the great joy in life is to be able to dive into the really difficult questions like Brian Kenny versus Dan Plesek. <laughs> well, yeah, we try to keep it varied and interesting. And that's uh, what you we succeed. aim to please here. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right. So let's get into a little bit of a fantasy breakdown here. It's our fantasy breakdown segment. We talk about a couple of things here. We'll go with our MVP choice, Cy Young, you know, a couple of things like that. We'll keep it brief and we'll talk about the Phillies real quick. We'll look at a mountain visit, shine and ride the pine. We're out of here and uh, definitely not going to beat our threshold that we originally tried to target for this show time, which is hilarious. Yeah. Well, your uh, main mistake there was inviting me to be a guest on a podcast. Is that what it is? Because it I'm very long winded. My uh, own podcasts, our podcasts are like always like an hour and a half long. <laughs> yeah. That's what always happens here. It doesn't matter who the guest is. Justin uh, Mason, we went, uh, Roger and Chris, we had on a month ago. We went two hours. You just, it's, you know, we just get so wrapped up in the conversation. That's why it's so wonderful. It's true. So let's talk MVP then. AL and NL MVP. It's really hard to target here. Um, <laughs> let's go with the NL first. Ellen, uh, of all the players, I mean, it could be some it real could be wild. so many different people. <laughs> right. So it's almost ludicrous to try to break one down. But that's what we do on the show. We try to give a opinion and we see if people absorb it or say well that was dumb and move on with their day so who's the nl mvp this year i think it has to be most likely to be Kristen yelich and you know he he led the league in ops last year and he was only behind trout in obp he's like the nl's left-handed attempt to have a trout um however uh i want it to be somebody else I would like it to be extremely dark horse candidate Cattell Marte because I love Cattell Marte. So uh, last year's batting average, which was 329, admittedly has some helium in it. But the thing is, he sustained it for the entire season. So he batted 311 in the first half and everybody was like, this is not going to last. And then in the second half, he batted, uh, oh, I just have his OPS. Sorry. Um, his OPS in the first half was 918. And in the second half, it was 1081. Insane. Um, and his expected batting average was still in the top 6% of the league. And obviously, his BABIP last year looks like a career outlier. Um, but I first fell in love with Cattell Marte in 2018. And if you look at him from August on in 2018, he also had a 315 BABIP. So I think that he sort of changed himself as a hitter. And this uh, notion was corroborated for me by this wonderful um, Jeff Zimmerman piece uh, in which he's talking about basically different players' hard hit launch angle. And he pointed out that Marte has a very consistent hard hit launch angle. There's not a lot of variability in his swing. So that is why we see him be so consistent. So I don't really think it will be Cattell Marte, but that would be my wacky, crazy pick that I would love the most. Oh, Jeff Zimmerman, who is a writer for rotafanatic.com, which uh, I'm associated with. We love to hear that. Jeff Zimmerman is the man. And He's Cattell so great. He's the man as well. I really hope he wins. I would love to see that. I, I think there's some 
questions about Marte still in terms of the overall fantasy baseball public. Like, is this for real, for good? Because he could be coming into a great prime or it could be a fluke. So I'm hoping it's not a fluke. Deary, do you agree with that? And do you have another pick for NL MVP? I'm going to go with Mookie Betts. Uh, obviously, he's oh. minutes away from getting this massive deal, uh, but he's going to be batting the top of an insanely stacked Dodger lineup. Guy can do everything, steal bases, hit over 300, uh, home runs, doubles, triples. Guy can do everything. My sneaky pick would be Nick Castellanos. Um, I think Castellanos is the best off- signing of the offseason for the Reds. Obviously, we saw him a ton in Detroit. Uh, last year he had, I think it was 58 or 59 doubles. He was only the second guy in the last like 90 years to have over 57 or 58 doubles, which is absolutely crazy. He's going to have a crazy year in Cincinnati. And Ellen talked about her affair with the, the Reds right now, which I'm having as well. So, uh, I hope Nick does, I hope Nick does very, very well out there in Cincinnati. And I think he's a sneaky pick, but I'm going to go with Mookie Betts to, to take that title this year. Cheating with the Reds. How dare you? Cheating with the Reds. <laughs> I think we all are. <laughs> We're all cheating with the Reds. It's true. It is. It is true. Uh, what about the AL MVP? This is where things get fun. Ellen, I think uh, people would be shocked if Aaron Judge won it. It's Mike Trout's to lose. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I feel like a, a lot of people are sort of assuming that Trout will miss some time um, for the birth of his child. And so I and Trout also feels like the sort of, of course, answer. And like Mike Trout is glorious and we are lucky human beings that we get to watch him play baseball. But I am going to pick someone else. I am going to pick one of my boyfriends, Matt Chapman. I just love Matt Chapman. Like his defense is so beautiful that I wrote a poem about it. (laughs) And he is, he is the paragon of like any defensive metric. Um, He had 14 outs above average last year, 34 defensive runs saved. And he was fourth in war last year. And that was with him severely tailing off at the end of the season offensively. So through the all-star break last year, he hit 268, 355, 535 with 21 homers. So if he can just sort of sustain that pace for a 60 game season and uh, get all those extra wins with his glove, I think it could be Matt Chapman. Wow. Okay. I like that. That's fun. Deary, what do you say? Uh, I'm going to go with another third baseman, but it's going to be Juan Moncada from the White Sox. I have the White Sox. I have the White Sox as my wild card. Uh, I've been pretty high on Moncada. I took him in a draft the other night in the fifth round. Guy had a 367 OBP last year, batted 315. The season really started to get together in the second half. Um, you know, cut down on strikeouts a ton at 65 less strikeouts than he did the year before. And I think the White Sox are just going to be a super deadly team offensively. Um, if he can still continue to steal a few bags here and there, play decent enough defense and get on base. I think he has a shot to in a 60 game season to, to win that MVP last year. He finished 21st. It was kind of his real big breakout, but as 24 years old, I think he's a real sneaky guy. I think he's a superstar in the waiting. So I think uh, he's someone that I'm rooting for mainly because he's not all my fancy. <laughs> no bias there, but we appreciate your honesty here on the Palazzo podcast. Uh, Makata had that insane BABIP, one of the highest BABIPs since World War II last year. Uh, doesn't mean he can't sustain it. You know, he could be a 300 plus hitter, no problem. 
I thought you were going to say Anthony Rendon, who is on my short list. If he wasn't injured with that oblique right now, he would probably be my pick. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. that coming out, he he dropped a ton in one of my drafts the other night, and I almost took him because he was still available in like the seventh round. But when you're missing possible two weeks with an oblique, that's really tough. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. He did a... He missed six straight games. I don't know if he's come back or not. I don't believe he has. So that's that does affect his status. But we'll see. Maybe he'll be ready to go. I I know Joe Madden said the timetable on that was uncertain. And, you know, these timetables, these damn timetables, you just can't keep track of them. How about a Cy Young winner? Uh, let's go back to the AL. Ellen, give me your Cy Young winner. It could be off the wall. I mean, who cares? This is just a prediction show. Okay. So, yes, I think it's most likely to be Garrett Cole, but I would love it if it were Mike Clevenger. Um, So I talked earlier about the Twins' strength of schedule with the revamped season, but Cleveland is right behind the Twins. And I feel like Clevenger is definitely the kind of pitcher that the uh, Spiders are going to be perfectly happy to just, like, throw out there for a bunch of innings. And I feel like how many innings per start a pitcher has could end up being a real factor in the Cy Young race this year. Um, Ooh, sorry for that gigantic crack of thunder. Um, That That is, yeah, yes. Um, Yes, it was very distracting for a second. Um, but with uh, Clevenger, he's just got such an excellent pitching mix and adding a couple of miles an hour to his fastball last year made him just so much more effective. And his slider had a 48.3 whiff percentage, which that is insane. And his FIP was even better than his 2.71 ERA last year because of all those strikeouts. And he's in the uh, 94th percentile of uh, strikeout rate. So last year he went from like a 12% swinging strike rate, which is above average, to 15.2, which is Jacob deGrom. So, you know, I feel like for a fuller season, we might be more concerned about injuries with Clevenger. But again, 12 starts, he could do it. All right. I love sunshine. I've been a huge Clevenger guy for months and months and months. Check my record. Go back and look through it all. I love Clevenger. I've picked, I've drafted him everywhere, basically. TGFBI, so on and so forth. Deary, give it to me. Yeah, <sighs> I think Cole's the guy to pick, but I don't want to do that because that's too safe and it's not fun. Uh, there's two guys I've been going back and forth with. One is Jose Barrios, who I absolutely love his devastating slider. He was fantastic at home last year and really good in the first half. But he's not going to be my pick. My pick is going to be Charlie Morton. I think Charlie Morton has a chance to go 8 or 9-0 and with Tampa. I think Tampa is going to be really, really good. They have a really nice schedule to start the season. Guy has an unbelievable curveball. Uh just devastate, devastating stuff. He's the true statement of a guy who doesn't really have to throw 115 miles per hour to get you out. Guy can work the mound, work different sides of the plate. I think he's 36 or 37 years old now, so he's got some tread on that. But it's mainly because he's a really just a veteran pitcher who knows what he's doing. Uh, he's going to get guys out. He's someone who came around later in his career. I mean, I remember when he was with the Pirates, and I'm like, man, this guy's got really good stuff, but he didn't really start putting it together until the last couple of years. So I think Charlie Morton might be the guy this year. I know some people are kind of going back and forth on whether uh, 
you know, they like him fantasy wise. Um, he may not be the best fantasy pitcher, but if he goes eight, nine and zero and has a really good ERA, if he gets an ERA under three, I think he has a shot to win the title. I love Charlie Morton and he was third in Cy Young voting last year. So it is not insane. And he has like a 30% strikeout, right? He's so dreamy. Mm, he is dreamy. That curveball, the way he used it, changed his whole career. Once upon a time, he was a lowly pirate with nothing to really offer Major League Baseball. And he completely changed his trajectory by ramping up that curveball use with Houston and so on and so forth. Very exciting. Congratulations, Charlie. I hope you win. Uh, rookie of the year, uh, the NL, a lot of people thought it was going to be Gavin Lux, but he's not even been in the season with the Dodgers now. He's behind the eight ball, which is an older phrase. I don't know if it has weird connotations or not. Do people still say that, behind the eight ball? I think they do. Okay, I don't know anymore. I've Isn't it a, like a reference to pool? That's what I always thought it was. Yeah, good. Okay, great. I mean, I don't think pool is offensive. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> it is to me. <laughs> 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 but NL Roadie or Roy, who you got, Ellen? Who could win the NL Rookie of the Year? It's it's strange to think it'd only be 60 games, but someone's got to win. Yeah, it's crazy. I am going to go with Mackenzie Gore here. So just like as much as you can never tell anything with a pitching prospect, he should just be incredible. So all four of his pitchers, his fastball, slider, changeup, and curveball rank above average. And I think most are projecting to be 60 grade. And so is his command, which is just hot. Um, <laughs> that is a commentary on command, by the way. And I also grade his super high leg kick, a 70 grade le leg kick. I love a good lead kick. I know Deary does too. Oh boy. I have McGinsey Gore in a keeper league that I'm very excited about. I drafted him because I knew he would come up this season. I just, I trust some of the people that I trust. Deary, who you got in the NL? Yeah, it's McKenzie Gore for me as well. Um, Whoa. I think the Padres are really going to be going for it in a short season. Uh, I think over a 162 game season, maybe they would be out of it halfway through the season. But if they start off hot, He's going to get the chance to have some innings. Guy has devastating stuff. He reminds me. I can't seem to figure out who he reminds me of for some reason. Um, does he remind you of anybody, Mike? I'm not sure yet. I have an yeah. uncertainty about it. I've heard, you know, occasional comparisons to Kershaw, but it's not the same style necessarily, but I've heard some comparisons to the pitch, the curveball. Yeah, it's almost like a left-handed fueler in my mind because uh, it seems so easy, but it's just like it comes up on you so fast. But uh, I think Mackenzie Gore is going to be a superstar in this league. Um, you know, and control is huge. And if you're someone who can control the ball all the way through the minors and have that command, when you get up to the league, it's going to make it so much easier for you. Um, another guy I think who has a shot, if he can get enough reps, is Carter Keboom with the Nationals. Um, I know he's going to be sharing time with Esdrubal Cabrera over there at third, but I think if they could just hand that off to him, third base, and let Cabrera kind of move around on those other positions, I think he might have a shot to win that rookie of the year as well. That would be great. Yeah. I mean, people are sort of writing him off because he didn't do so well last year, but it was like 11 games. Yeah. <laughs> it's completely yeah. not fair to him. Where's the fairness in this world? Darn it. And and Shelly Vergastrate has been making the point that he like shortstop was really not his natural position. And so if you're just thrown up to the majors and you're playing shortstop, probably your offense is gonna struggle a little bit if you're really focusing on your defense. So he might be more comfortable at third. That's a great point by Shelly. I like Shelly's work. She's she was the on smartest. that. 
I learned about her when I learned about you uh, on the panel for Pitcher List back in May. That was so cool. That was that like changed my life. Like, oh wow, look at all these people I didn't know about. I love meeting new people in this industry and learning, and that's why I love doing this show. That's a great opportunity for you to do those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking for comments on this. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. All right, so. A.L. Roy, Roy, Roy. I like Rody. I always said Rody, but apparently it's Roy. And I guess the the doesn't get an acronym. It's too bad. A.L. Roy. I think maybe Nick Madrigal could take it if he gets the reps. What do you think, Ellen? Oh, that would be so delightful to me. I mean, I think my pick here is um, Luis Robert, just because I think he'll have the leg up on a lot of other prospects time-wise, and I don't know how much that might end up making a difference. Um, so in 122 games last year, he hit 328 with 32 home runs and 32 steals. And his batting average regressed a little bit as he climbed in the minors. But even if he's more of a 270 hitter, that power speed combo will probably like delight and surprise everybody. But I do love Nick Madrigal because his strikeout rate reads like a typo. It was like 3.7% last year or something like that. I yeah. don't like remember Jordan. exactly. And and you're just like, oh, wait, no, what? Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, he's an anomaly in today's game with the uh, yeah. three true outcomes. What about you, Deary? Yeah, I like Madrigal. He's, uh, I think he's kind of going to end up being a guy I dislike because he's going to remind me too much of Dustin Pedroia over there at second base. But Oh, no. Uh, I would love to go with a guy like a Ryan Mountcastle if you can get enough at bats with the Orioles. Austin um, Hayes, even Austin Austin Hayes. I'm a little higher on uh, on Mountcastle, but I think it's probably Robert. Um, you know, he, he he's had enough seasoning in the minors. Uh, he's going to strike out a ton, but when when you go back and you look at how they're going to give out this award, it's going to be someone who has home runs, steals bases. Uh, and he's going to be able to do both. I think he's going to be pretty close to 10 home runs, probably pretty close to maybe 10 stolen bases. Uh, the guy's probably going to be a superstar. He's going to look funny on a lot of at-bats, especially when he faces Charlie Morton, and Charlie Morton's just going to throw him that that curveball every single time. We've seen uh, Robert look kind of goofy in some of at-bats when uh, you know they're, they're feeding him uh, stuff that moves, but the guy can absolutely murder fastballs, and uh, it's in a scary lineup, so I think he's probably going to be the guy. I mean, he's the Vegas odds on winner right now to to win AL Rookie of the Year. Um, and if you can find anyone else who you think that can uh, you know, overtake that from him, I'd be pretty surprised. Oh, boy. Yeah, he did hit that home run falling down about 10 days ago. That was great. That just shows you the kind of power he has. Incredible. What a player. In the end... Things get wacky as we start to look at this short, goofy season. You know, we, a home run champ, a batting champ, these are things that uh, we could look at. But I want to talk about a breakout of the year. That's the focus I want to look at here. Who's somebody that listeners can be like, wow, I'm going to listen to Ellen and Deary and Mike because they told me the breakout of the year, and then it actually happened. Is there someone, Ellen, that you think could break out beyond a rookie, just somebody who maybe will just have 60 games of madness to offer? Well, it's tough because I feel like my pick here has to be when I've been thinking about like, who is my Cattell Marte of this year? It's Zach Gallen, who is like 
well known in the industry at this point. Like everybody knows Zach Gallen. Um, and it is strange to say that he, uh, that a guy with a 2.81 ERA last year, I expect to break out. Um, so like that, that really must be my pick, but to pick somebody else, um, that is perhaps a little bit more off the radar, I wonder if this might be the time that we see an Ian Happ breakout. Um, So he was so hot to finish out the year last year. And I remember reading an article speculating that he had basically doubled down on his aggressiveness. And I am sorry that I do not have the author of that article uh, at the top of my mind. But it means that we might not see his sort of like dreamy 15% walk rate. But the previous two years, he was making such excellent contact when he hit the ball. So 476 and 449 um, expected Woba on contact compared to like 371 is average. And it dropped a little last year to 439 with him making more contact, but he was far more productive as a hitter. So basically... His barrel rate was still higher while upping his batting average by 45 points and his WOBA by 40 points despite plate discipline loss. So maybe pitchers will adjust to the fact that he's more aggressive, but in a short season, that also might not happen. So maybe Ian Happ. Hmm, maybe. That sounds like fun. I love that. Zach Gallen is like my prospective boyfriend. <laughs> I love Zach that. Gallen. Wow, Zach Gallen, you listening? Zach Gallen is a badass. I have a lot of baseball boyfriends, to be clear. Like, there are many of them. Oh, well, you know, you're open. That's honest. You're living in the, uh, you know, the progressive movement. What do they call that? Yeah, you know. uh, I I live a polyamorous baseball life. Yes, yes. Thank you very much. Exactly. Deary, give me a goofy. It doesn't have to be goofy, but who's someone who might shock some people with his value in a 60-game season? Well, I mean, there's... There's two guys I want to mention, um, you know, and if, if you follow baseball and you're specifically into fantasy baseball, you know these guys. But one is Nick Anderson with Tampa Bay. I think Nick Anderson might be a sneaky pick for the Cy Young because he's going to get a ton of innings. He may be an opener. He's going to be in a lot of high leverage situations for Tampa. Mm-hmm. He's somebody who could really, really flirt with having an ERA like below 1.4 or 1.5, um, you know, if he puts up, you know, 34 to 40 innings. Uh, but the main guy I want to talk about, just because I haven't talked about him in a while, and I think maybe in a 60-game sprint like this, he could do something incredible, like maybe bet 380, have double-digit home runs. That's Jeff McNeil of the Mets. I know you're a Jeff McNeil fan, Mike, and I think mm-hmm. he's just one of those guys, he doesn't walk a ton, or, or he doesn't strike out a ton, gets on base a lot. Um, he's going to score a lot of runs. He's got power as well. He's going to fit really nice in that number two hole for the Mets. Why not Jeff McNeil maybe bet 400 this year? The guy's bet 300 his whole life. Maybe in a 60-game sprint, he could bet 400. But he's a guy who I've liked for a couple of years now, had a really nice fantasy season. Uh, guy can kind of do everything on the field, and he's he's definitely unnoticed in a lot of different areas because he's not one of those superstars. But he's a solid, solid MLB player. And who knows? Maybe he has one of those crazy seasons where like, oh, wow, Jeff McNeil batted 390. Crazy. I love Jeff McNeil. So, yes, that's a great pick. Let's have that happen. <laughs> yeah, I love Jeff McNeil. Everybody knows that. If you know me, it's to know that I love Jeff. I love you, Jeff. And I'm very, very honest about that. Okay, those are some goofy predictions. Uh, do you have goofy predictions? 
Well, they weren't all goofy. Some of them were very legitimate. I shouldn't disrespect our predictions like that. I'm sorry. We would love to hear from the audience. Blazo Podcast, two L's, two Z's, at ProtonMail.com. Please let us know. Let's quickly talk about the Phillies, Ellen. Let's talk about the Phillies as a team of fantasy-wise, too. Joe Girardi is coming in. He's a very, very proven manager. I think you're excited that he's on board, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He was my pick of the candidates that they were considering. I feel like he's sort of a a marriage of uh, of a little bit more old school baseball thinking and also analytics. You know, he was carrying oh. around binders before it was cool. <laughs> wow, I like that. Yeah, Joe Girardi is going to make a difference on this team. I think he's a steady influence and he's a smart guy, a Northwestern grad, you know, a catcher, always Always the smartest guys in the room, usually catchers, as we've seen with so many managers, Bruce Bochy and so on. But starting pitching. Brad Osmus. Brad Brad Osmus. Yeah, that sucks. That's a buzzkill. Starting pitching, though, it seems to be the the bugaboo here, the concern, the issue, the unknown. Because Aaron Nola, we know about your undying love. I love Aaron Nola, too. I think he's been massively disrespected just because he had a slightly off year, which was still an under four ERA, right? So, I mean, just his walk skyrocketed last year, and that'll be corrected. I don't have really any concerns about that. But Zach Wheeler, people don't seem to have any faith in Zach Wheeler. I've been in a lot of fantasy drafts, and I have seen Zach Wheeler plummet a lot because they just don't seem to buy. It's all hype with Zach Wheeler. We never seem to get the guarantee. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, I understand if people are having a little bit of like a Zach Wheeler breakout fatigue almost. That makes sense to me. Um, but I also have been thinking that part of the downgrading of Zach Wheeler has to do with the fact that people are aware that in a short season, he's probably going to miss some time. So when I've seen him sort of like falling in ADP, I haven't thought, oh, why do people hate Zach Wheeler? I've just maybe been like... <laughs> Assuming the best. Um, Yeah, I feel like the problem with Zach Wheeler has always been... Oh, God, that was very close. Sorry. Intense. Yeah, I'm hearing that right through the headphones. Woo! Um, uh, Has always been that he struggles with runners on base and he can have blow-up innings, much like the uh, thunder outside of my window. Um, So the issue with him um brian price thinks is maybe that it's just been a pitch sequencing issue and from what i understand wheeler has said that he feels like he knows how to take the next step forward in seeing what garrett cole did with his pitching mix so his stuff is so good obviously he's got like the fourth highest fastball velocity in uh, of qualified starters in baseball and he's put together you know astonishing stretches in 2018 and 2019 so i continue to remain optimistic that we can we can turn like zach wheeler part of the time into zach wheeler all of the time but i do understand why people think oh maybe the phillies uh, are not the organization to make that happen oh They historically have not done particularly well with their pitchers, but we do have a new pitching coach, and so maybe things will be different. I didn't like Brian Price as a manager of the Reds, uh, so I wanted to give him a benefit, though, as a coach. Maybe that's a better role for him. I thought he was an underwhelming manager. Maybe some of that was out of his control with the Reds, but I did have kind of a beef with him. But... Well, I feel like as as a pitching coach, as, as far as I know, 
he's been just focusing more on tailoring his approach to each individual pitcher um, where uh, the previous pitching coach whose name escapes me right now um, was, was just focusing so much on trying to turn all of them into the same kind of pitcher. And it just clearly wasn't working. So yes, I think some of his approach might be a little bit more old school, but I'm willing to see what happens. Deary, what do you think? I mean, Deary, we know about this Philly staff. It drops off kind of rather quickly with Vince Velasquez. Nick Pavetta has been a train wreck. So much hype on him. Never been able to put it together. What do you think, Deary? Are you concerned why, about this pitching staff? Why can't Vincent Velasquez put it together? Like, he just, he can't, like, if the mitt was as big as the side of my house, he couldn't hit it. But the guy has electric stuff and a fastball that just moves tails away, goes to all different spots. The guy has the stuff to be a like really solid major league pitcher. And he just can't seem to figure out. And it's gotta be frustrating as a Phillies fan for sure. Um, I think their offense is going to be just fine. So, I I mean, I kind of struggled back and forth on whether I would have them in the wild card um, in the national league, because I love Girardi being there. Uh, I, I think their bullpen has some options at the back end uh, with Neris and Dominguez and you know a couple other guys out there. But, yeah, they need something from that starting staff. And uh, maybe Zach Wheeler's the guy. I know he's going to miss a little bit of time, which really stinks. I've been high on Wheeler ever since he came up with the Mets, and I think he's going to end up being a really good signing there. But um, I, think Nola, I think Nola bounces back just fine. But, yeah, that's going to be the, the – the, the frustration and really the heart of whether they're going to have a shot to compete this year is, is that starting to. I mean, I think the bullpen's very scary as well. Uh, I, you know, over the off season, I was very much hoping that they would sign two starters, even if uh, the second person that they signed was not also a sort of like front end of the rotation guy, um, but just somebody with some experience and then they could shift Velasquez and Pavetta to the bullpen from the get-go and not kind of like play around with their expectations about whether or not they're going to get a starting job. But I, a lot of that has been because I've always felt like Vince Velasquez should really be in the bullpen because he's, even though he technically has more pitches, he's really only a two pitch pitcher. And the issue is that his fastball is the only pitch that has ever been effective for him and so he has sort of a, a an array of other pitches that are all really not working for him but this this year he has um in he sort of like took the off off time uh because of the season being shut down to develop a cutter and in the game it like it looks pretty good from what i've seen in like intra squad games and the exhibition game um and he's also been working on his change up a little bit more his pitch velocities have varied so much and there's no identification so it's honestly been a little bit hard for me to tell like is that a slow cutter or a fast change up um so yeah i mean i'm also you know i am not a uh a pitcher list level uh, genius when it comes to uh, analyzing pitches, but you be yourself, Ellen. 
I mean, I can I can tell a pitch from another pitch if, um, <laughs> sometimes. But if it's like a brand new pitch and I don't know what it's supposed to look like, it's a little hard. But it is like I am I am trying to be more optimistic about it looks like probably Vince Velasquez will make the rotation. And perhaps this is like a new and improved Vince Velasquez. Um, but I feel like uh, Vince Velasquez has cried wolf so many times that uh us phillies fans are all like just trying to protect our wounded little hearts <laughs> yeah, it's been going on for years man yep. good lord uh, he we all know how he does third time through the order it just falls apart every time so yeah maybe they could just you know the way the season is going some pitchers might not be pitching uh five or six innings he could be a guy who gives you four innings and that's all you need and he is a gap he's a bridge so maybe that's how yeah. that works out of but maybe also having um, like either an effective changeup or a cutter um, would help him the third time through the order. So, hmm. I don't know how this is going to shake out. I'm I'm a little concerned about your team's pitching. I love the offense. I love the lineup. I think it's a lot of fun. You know, young prospects. Do you think Spencer Howard and Alec Bohm are going to contribute, or is it more Howard than Bohm? I think that we're going to see both of them, but I do think that uh, the Phillies will wait until they can get another year of service time from them, which is, I think, going to be problematic this year because it's harder to uh, to sort of say that they're keeping them down just because they need to season them in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. Um so for Spencer Howard, the reason that they were going to keep him down was because of innings concerns. And so obviously that looks like that is not going to be a problem this year. Um, and with Bohm, the thought was that he needed to work on his defense a little bit more. So I think that he gets a chance at the major league level, um, partly because of the DH. I would be not surprised to see them, you know, once they have their extra year of Alec Bohm, bring him up and kind of like maybe platoon him at DH with Jay Bruce and kind of like play him in the field every once in a while, but not rely on him as, as their everyday third baseman. Um, But they're both very exciting prospects. Um, I think, you know, most Phillies fans are more excited about Spencer Howard because of the greater need for Spencer Howard, but he's got three above average pitches. Um, but his best is his fastball, which is 60 grade and it can touch a hundred. Um, but he also has a, a changeup and a curveball that are both graded 55 with future 60 values. And even his slider is still a 50 and the changeup can be just, it is very lovely to behold. Um, so I think that we will absolutely see him this year. Um, and you know, probably in, in a pretty considerable role. I don't know if, even if Alec Bohm comes up, if he's necessarily playing every single day. Oh, wow. I thought you'd be more excited about Mickey Moniac, to be honest. (laughs) Whatever happened. We were friends and we're not friends anymore. (laughs) I'm leaving this podcast. (laughs) <laughs> that poor son of a gun. I feel for you, Mickey. It's not easy. Not easy having that pressure as the number one pick. But in the end, this is a playoff bound team as a wild card, at least, or not? Bottom line us. I mean, I 
I hope they win a wild card spot. Um, obviously, like, they could win the division. This is in the realm of possibility. And, like, even before the 162-game season, I was calling them Schrodinger's Phillies. Like, they are both winners and losers inside of the box, and I don't know which one it's going to be. Um, but I I feel like last year, uh, what I was really gunning for was for them to win a wild card spot uh, after they kind of, like, faltered um in the in the midseason and so i feel like that's the more realistic expectation for me this year as well okay i you know it's interesting to see how it'll play out i cannot wait to see what this team actually does it's one of the more interesting teams in baseball deary what's your final verdict on the phillies i think in order for them to make the playoffs there's going to be two wild cards in that division because i think the braves win the division and i think the nationals because they're still so steady with their starting pitching and I love their bullpen. I think the nationals end up getting a wild card. There's going to have to be two wild cards that come out of that division for the Phillies to get there. I think the Phillies compete. And I think maybe next year, if Spencer Howard can show that he can be maybe that three or four starter for them next year, they really start competing for that division. By the way, Ellen quickly on uh, the Philly fan, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of myths out there about the Philly fan. I'd like to take a moment for you to stand up and show people what a real Philly fan can be, as opposed to the old days of the vets and the batteries throwing and, you know, booing people when they're injured, things like that. I think you represent a new, better day for the Philly fan, and I think we should all take a moment to acknowledge that and appreciate that. Oh, well, thanks very much. I don't know if I'm typical. <laughs> But certainly I think that there I think that there are a lot of Phillies fans who are exactly um, like me in terms of, you know, the way in which they really support the team um, and and just believe in their ability to be as excellent as they can be. (laughs) That's why I think you should stand up and appreciate you as a Phillies fan, because I know there's more like you out there. Yes, there definitely are. Just know that audience, please. You know the- I mean, it's the case for any fan base. Any <laughs> fan base has has people who are really lovely and people who are not. Unruly. It's, I mean, yes, unruly. I feel like is maybe even a charitable description of some Phillies fans. <laughs> yeah, I, I Ubered down at a Citizens Bank Field last year, picking up people. So I have a few examples that I'd like to share, but. You know, we don't have time for that, but I do understand what we're alluding to. And I do wish the Phillies the best. And I want us to know that there are good people out there rooting for this team. The fighting Phils going for it this year in 2020. Can't wait to see what happens. Let's have a mound visit. Let's take a stroll out to the mound, put our hands in our back pocket and slowly stroll out to the mound. Will's first big league mound visit. And it could be a visit to find out how he feels and Rick might have permission to change the pitcher if he gets the wrong answer. The Blue Jays. Looks like they had a deal done for PNC Park to be their home field after their own prime minister booted them out of the Rogers Center in Toronto. But then this looks like this deal has fallen through, and as of 7 o'clock Wednesday evening, that still seems to be the case. How difficult would it be to be a player? Think about this. The mental health aspect of the game for players. No clue where they're playing their home games. These are creatures of habit and routine. I say this every week. Ellen, how does this impact Blue Jays players, uh, the managers, everybody on the squad? I'm sure it just has to be really tough for them. You know, like they 
don't know where they're going to be. I don't know if they all have apartments in Toronto where all of their stuff is and they can't go get it. Like, I, yeah, I think it has to be really difficult to not feel like you even know where your home base is going to be. And the only sort of experience from my own life that I could even compare to that is when I was on tour. I was on tour for a year and it was one of the more challenging mental health moments of my life. I felt like it was hard to not be able to be in charge of my own meals or, you know, I couldn't carry that much stuff around with me. I just had to have one little suitcase. And like, it doesn't, heading into the tour, I was like, this is going to be really fun. It's going to be a nonstop party. And after a while, I was like, oh, it's different when you don't know where your home is. Like, I love traveling. But when you travel, there's some part of you way back in your mind that knows that like your home is there for you and you are not home now. But to just kind of really be itinerant can be, I think, mentally challenging. Mm. Boy, that is well said. Thank you for saying that. I always want people to remember that these are human beings, darn it. And imagine the most difficult period of your life or out on the road or you're not stable. It can be very taxing on your comfort levels and your ability to focus. And these guys have to focus on a baseball the round bat, round ball. Very, very complicated. Jerry, what do you think of this? Yeah, I mean, 12 hours ago, they it was basically set that they were going to play at PNC Park, which I thought would still bring up a lot of difficulties because you're basically, your home is somewhere else, somewhere else. But, you know, Ellen brought up a great point that when you're traveling, playing baseball, and let's say you start the season off with three road trips, I know they start in Tampa to start. And you're looking forward to coming back home and having that familiarity of being back in Toronto, you know, possibly being able to go to your apartment where all your stuff is. They're not going to have a home. And I know they really want to play in a major league park because um, they're talking to just about how logistically it might not work for the minor league park, you know, with some of the dimensions. And, you know, they all talk about how they want to play in parks that they're familiar with. But we're a day away from the season starting, two days away before they play Tampa and I'm sure they're already down in Florida and they still have no idea where they're going to play their home games. Um, that's gotta be really, really mentally taxing. Uh, you know, we're already going through a complete unknown with the season and the pandemic and, you know, the possibility of, of guys, you know, maybe getting sick and coming down with COVID. Now you add this onto it where you don't know where your home park is. You don't know when you're going to be able to go home and see your family. So, Really, really difficult. I don't know how they're going to figure this out, considering the schedule is already made up. Uh, I read something about, okay, they just go and be the home team in somebody else's park. No, that doesn't seem to make sense. Um, I, it's not something I had ever thought about, you know, is that Toronto wouldn't let them play. And I thought, okay, great. You know, Pittsburgh, you know, that, that seems to work out perfect. It's a great ballpark. Uh, people's you know, started writing about the different uh, metrics compared to Rogers Center, and now that's not going to happen. So I really feel for the guys on the Blue Jays. It's a it's a young team as well, so that you know you're adding in a lot of other anxieties of, of guys that you know it could be their first second year of really traveling the country, and you're doing it during the, the pandemic. So uh, we'll see how this shakes out. But uh, there's a lot of work that MLB has to do to kind of figure out where the Blue Jays are going to play this season. Well said. 
Thank you both for that. I think it's always important to take a moment, keep it real, be honest about the situation, and not to be morose, down and out, kind of feel like I'm dismissing these guys as human beings, but there might be negative outcomes for fantasy values on these guys, too. I mean, I'm concerned about them as human beings first, but you got to think about it, too. If you're playing fantasy in a short season, the uncertainty could hurt some of these guys, and that's... That's too bad. But some of these guys might thrive. They could have incredible resolve. And that all comes down to the individual at times. And we're all human, so you never know. All right, it's time for Shine or Ride the Pine. This is the game where we play Shine, which you shine like a star, like a wonderful, bright, shining star, or you're riding the pine because you're not playing very well and you got to ride the bench, which is not fun. So we're going to do Philly's edition here. Philly's projections for players. Ellen, I want you to tell me if you're going to say they're going to shine. That's a yay. Or they're going to ride the pine. That's a no. You're not buying into it. Does that make sense to you? Yes, it does make sense to me. Well, let's get into it. Right off the top. Bryce Harper. By the oh, way. shine. <laughs> you're not even giving me any numbers yet. You're... Oh, I thought you, I thought that's. I'm sorry, I didn't understand. I thought you were just going to give me a player, and you were going to, and I was going to say whether or not I thought he was going to be good this year. No, that's hilarious. That was... I, that, you, maybe that was funny. <laughs> no, I'll, I'm, I'm going to say the player's name, and then I'll give you a number, like their home run total or their batting average, above or below, and you'll say yay or nay, shine or ride the pine. Steve Paulo does our projections. I love his projection system. Steve Paulo at Steve Paulo on Twitter. He does his stomper projections. For Bryce Harper, he is predicting 12 home runs or more. Ellen, 12 home runs or more for Bryce Harper in 60 games. I think that sounds fair. That's a shine. Shine, yes. All right. Okay. Deary, 12 home runs or more for Bryce Harper? Yeah, that's a shine for me. I think he has a really great 60-game season. Wow. That was, like, almost too easy for you guys. How about this? Reese Hoskins, a 370 OBP or higher, Ellen. 370 or higher. I'm a shine on that as well. Yeah, I think the, uh, the OBP is is Reese Hoskins' most durable skill. Mm. I mean, last year was, was tough, and we all have heard the stories, right? We don't have to rehash that, but hopefully he's on to better days because OBP at 116 walks last year led the National Leagues. That's one of his specialties, but his batting average stinks, so that brings it down. But in a short season, I think that's very likely. Deary, do you agree with Ellen? Modern-day Adam Dunn, man. He's just going to get on base. He won't hit for average, but it won't matter. Uh, so I'll go. Try. Well, and he's totally he has completely revamped his swing. Um, so we will see what sort of a difference that ends up making potentially. Uh, OK, All it right. looks I'll... very different. Like it is not hard to just watch Reese Hoskins and be like, oh, that is a very different swing. The swing plane is totally different. So really, now I, feel I mean, I traded him in the offseason. My my. Assumption, no, my pet theory about his problem is really that it's just like been too much launch angle. Um, so I know that his like average launch angle was 24 last year. And I think the year before that it was like 22 ish. And the year before that it was like, I started that these numbers are just off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> It was it was like a couple of degrees below that. And so it just like every year it's gone up more and more. And he has a very high variance on his launch angle, which is also problematic. So I think if he's just 
hitting fewer like infield fly balls, we might see Reese Hoskins batting average um, resurge a little bit. Right, cool. What about JT Real Muto? They are predicting him to hit seven or more home runs. Is that doable? Yeah. Wow. Shine. Sorry, I just love these guys. So. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, uh, we had a tweet for your appearance on the show, and the question was, will JT Real Muto get paid? This is from Brent Herzog at ExitVelo underscore BH. Oh, God. I hope so, because I don't know what the Phillies are going to do if they don't re-sign JT Real Muto. They'll have to re-sign somebody else. Like, there's not a, a sort of a catching prospect that can come, that is ready to come and, like, take over for JT Real Muto if they don't re-sign him. And, and, I mean, never mind the fact that they, like, traded away Jorge Alfaro and Sixto Sanchez for JT Real Muto. Mm. Like, they have to sign him. Um but it does seem to me like they are not going to. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that they're going to make a bid on him in the offseason, but it seems like for right now they're just content to let it go until then, which is just deeply unfortunate. Well, there you have it, Brent. She has spoken. Uh, Deary, what about you? Are you going over on these real Mutu home runs at seven? Yeah, absolutely. I think he probably gets eight or nine. And yeah, back to Ellen's point. I mean, I think he's a perfect guy for the Phillies and you lose him. You don't have anybody else. And then it makes that trade of Alfaro and Sanchez just really frustrating because you basically traded for a one and a half year rental. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see why they wouldn't pay him. I mean, they love throwing around money there anyways, but maybe he doesn't want to stay there. I don't know. I don't see why. Really good catchers are hard to come by, too. And he's, he's a top five guy. Oh, yeah, he's the top two catcher. Maybe the best. I mean, he's catcher. been my favorite catcher since like 2015. I Ooh. I was beside myself when the Phillies signed him because or, or traded for him because I never saw that coming at all. But he was like one of my already one of my baseball boyfriends at that time. So, yeah, I was ecstatic and uh, just I, I want them to resign him so badly. <laughs> So you were already a fan girl for him then before he yes. was a silly. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, look at this catcher who's stealing bases. What? <laughs> Say what? Yeah, that is yeah. definitely unique. Yeah, he's, he's so player. athletic. He, he was is. a shortstop um, he's a coming stud. up. He's yeah. a, they call those players studs back where I come from. Aaron Nola. This is easy, I assume. Uh, seven quality starts or more. I sure, I'm sure you're going to say shine. Shine. Yeah. End of story. Uh, Deary, what about you? I think I'd actually go with seven wins before seven quality starts because I just think it's going to be so hard to get a quality start. However, with that Phillies bullpen, you know, Ellen talked about how there's a lot of, you know, mysteries with their bullpen. He might have to go late into games, uh, but I'm going to go ride the pineups, even though I am a big null advantage. Yeah, no, I think they're going to need to him to pitch like as deep into games as he can. To be <laughs> That's a great point. That could be very helpful for his quality starts, but he also might, if he suffers runs, then the QS goes bye-bye. But I'm rooting for him. I love Nola. I think he's vastly underrated, even though he's usually a top 50 pick. D.D. Gregorius, the new Philly, the former Yankee in your city of New York City where you live, now goes to your team. And Steve Paulo has him hitting 
at least nine home runs. That's the projection for Didi. Nine or more home runs, Ellen? Yeah, I'd shine on that. I don't know wow. if that's how I'm allowed to use that. Definitely. I feel like it's probably <laughs> around there, um, you know, but he already he hit a home run off of Max Scherzer, so he's looking pretty good. He's looking better than he did in spring training, for sure. He was It was a rough go of it. But I feel like it's possible that the added time off just, you know, helped his elbow heal a little bit more. So maybe maybe that's actually been a good thing for him. Deary, are you wearing Phillies colored glasses? Nine or more home runs for Didi? I think it's possible. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I'm not the biggest Didi Gregorius fan. I think those, you know, three really good years he had with New York, where he did put up 25 or more home runs, all came in streaks. And that's why I actually think he could end up hitting double digit home runs for the Phillies because he's such a streaky player that. He goes on a two, three week run where he hits seven, eight home runs. He could be right there. I am going to say ride the pine, but it's doable. Doable. I like that. That sounds like it's doable because it's I, I have hope for all these players. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew McCutcheon, Kutch, the guy who tore his knee up last year, but one of the most beloved players in baseball. A great Twitter follow, by the way. He's delightful. He is delightful. 322 OBP. That's what Steve Paolo has him at. That seems like it's very reasonable that he could go 322 or higher. What do you think, Ellen? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's easy. It's very easy. Like, actually, sometimes it's hard for me to be optimistic about the Phillies on a podcast, and I really appreciate these over-unders because I feel like I can be optimistic on all of them so far. (laughs) I think he does that easily. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I wonder... If there's something about Steve's projections that just does not like Kutch for some reason. Not that he's not a great man, but maybe that he's getting older. But he's hitting, it looks like he'll be leading off too, right, Ellen? Is that how you read Kutch? I think that that's, yeah, probably the plan. Yeah. Deary, what do you think? 322 OBP or higher? How is that, like, how is that his OBP projection? That's so low. That's like 40 points too low. He could do, he could do 322 left-handed. Wow. Okay. Throwing yeah. some shade at Steve. I think he's 375 to 380. I think he's going to. I mean, the doctor, uh, Mike Carter, really talked me into McCutcheon this year. And the guy gets on base. I mean, he consistently has a 12 or 13% walk rate. So he's going to get on base. And I think in a 60 game season where he can be healthy, he's going to be fantastic for the Phillies. Well, just like Jeff Zimmerman, Steve Paolo trusts in his process. So we will have to see how that fares out. Now, the master, Scott Kingery, the the anointed one, the, the jack of all trades. He can play all over the field. He's an excellent player. This seems very doable, but maybe I'm crazy. Four or more steals, Ellen. That's what we have for Scott Kingery, at least four steals. Yeah, shine. It seems very reasonable again. Maybe these are underwhelming. Maybe there's something about Kingery in his projections that he just doesn't like, but... Four steals for a guy who can steal bases seems very reasonable. No argument. It might right? be that the Phillies steal more bases under Joe Girardi than they did under Gabe Kapler as well. Ah, yeah. Now that's a good point. Yeah, the managerial change and the style and the system he wants to run could change things. So, Deary, four more steals. It seems like something that's very attainable. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, he's probably six or seven, and someone's going to have to steal on that team, right? Someone is going to have to steal on that team, and he, I've been drafting him all over Roto because of his stolen base potential. I think he's a great value pick. And for those of you that care about anything I say, take that 
and heed that warning. I think he's an excellent pick. Get Scott Kingery this year. Now, the guy we talked about earlier, Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler is pegged to have a 402 ERA. Can he get under that, Ellen, in a short season? 402 ERA or lower? I'm Yeah, I'm going to go shine on the... I feel like, you know, he's definitely had stretches where he had, like, easily for ERA. Like, uh, in 2018, starting on June 1st, he had a 2.52 ERA through 20 starts. And in 2019, he had a 3.04 ERA over his final 16 starts. So, yeah, could definitely happen. The shines keep on coming in. Deary, are you buying in? <laughs> it's the same thing when we make all these pitching predictions is like one or two really bad starts could blow that up. But I don't see Wheeler having one or two really bad starts. I think he's going to be consistently be able to go five or six innings. I mean, he's shown when he has been healthy that under a four ERA has been no problem for him. So I think he does it this year for the Phillies. Boy, he does have to face the AL East too, not just the NL East only. So, you know, it's not the AL. You know, the AL East has some studs, and even the teams that stink, the offense is the strength. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I cannot wait for a season to start in 24 hours from right now, almost really. The Yankees and Nationals will be playing. Gene Segura, Gene Segura, uh, kind of underwhelming as a Philly so far, but. There's a lot of optimism that he can do better. Can he top a 325 OBP, Ellen? A 325 OBP. Hmm. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Am I, I mean, this is, feels like the one that's the closest. Yes. But I'm going to go ahead and be optimistic. But, yeah, it's, it's a push almost. <laughs> oh, maybe I should include that in the game. Push. Shine, Ryan, or push? Shine, ride the pine, or push? It doesn't roll off the tongue quite as well. but It doesn't rhyme. Yeah, it does. It's terrible. Uh, Deary, I know that you're going to say pine on this one, right? Yeah, I am. I am going to say ride the pine. Uh, he just oh. doesn't walk enough. But on the other end, because I root for everybody, he has the opportunity to because the guy has always had a really excellent BABIP. It's always around 315, 320. Uh, he's done that his whole career. So, I mean, it's not hard to get a, what, 325 OBP? Is that what you said? Yeah. I mean, come on. If you can't get 325, what are you doing in the majors? Come on, Gene. I'm rooting for you. So let me change my answer. I'm going to say he does. Oh! Yeah, well, just not looking it up, he had a 323 OBP last year. And so no. 325 would just be like he's going to do it again. <laughs> I'm like, well, that doesn't seem that hard. <laughs> yeah. But short yeah, like, no, you look at the three, four years before that, he was way over that. So, yeah. he's going to bounce back. He could be regressing. But that's why we play this game. <laughs> we make a prediction and then we find out. Uh, a couple more here. Uh, Hector Neris. They have him for eight saves. Eight saves or more. Hector Neris, eight saves or more, Ellen. I mean, I hope so. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to shine out of uh, not knowing what the other alternative is. <laughs> desperation <laughs> yeah because like i don't know who else could you possibly get with you um so if it's not more than eight then that would mean that the phillies either like just blew out all of their opponents so much which doesn't seem super likely 
Uh, so yeah, I I'm gonna go shine, but more more just hoping that the Phillies like you know win more than ten games than a true vote of confidence in Hector Neris. Deary, eight saves or more. Yeah, you know, Ellen, I don't know why you didn't correct me earlier when I said they have good options with Neris and Dominguez. I completely forgot that Dominguez is having Tommy John. So yeah, no, I. I, I I thought that, but I, I you were in the middle of your thing, and by the time I had something else to say, I had forgotten. Well, well, thank you. I'll call myself out. This is a pod about honesty and adhering to your mistakes. So uh, accountability. I I think Neris. There's no other choice, and if the Phillies are going to be in the race, I think eight saves are going to have to happen. And yeah, there's no other options. So I'm going to go shine on this one. Well, there's David Robertson could come back. You know, he's had a lot of time to get healthy. So just throwing that out there. Maybe he's I got don't, something left. I don't think that that's very likely <laughs> that he comes back. That's a very friendly and kind way to put that. Thank you, Ellen. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not banking on it. Don't worry. All right. Lastly, now this is a guy. He hangs around. He just hangs around. Like, he's there. I don't really draft him, but... Zach Eflin. Can Zach Eflin give the Phillies 58 innings? Just 58 innings pitch or more. Can he can he do that? <sighs> um This is tough because he's been having some back spasms already. Uh so he's not 100 percent healthy. On the other hand, I, I know that he has been throwing and he a simulated game, and it seems like he's perhaps on time to slot into a spot in the rotation. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll just go ride the pine just in order to have one answer that is that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, but like to be clear, Zach Eflin has also proved that he can be um, he can be very useful. Like he pitched a couple of complete games last year, and he was very good down the stretch when he basically ditched the uh, the pitching coach approach that was um, being taught to him, and was just like, I'm just going to pitch like I know how to pitch. Uh, so, you know, there's I I honestly. Coming into the season, I trust Zach Eflin more than I trust Nick Pavetta or Vince Velasquez, but that's not saying a lot. Mm, yeah, that's 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 like shaky ground to be on. I understand what you mean when you say that. Deary, Zach Eflin, 58 IP. Well, it's tough because he, he doesn't strike out a ton of people, um, and his left on base percentage is not that great either. Um but yeah, I mean, the Phillies don't have too many other options, so they're going to have to let them kind of pitch through some of these issues and some of these troublesome innings. Oh, uh, 58. I think Noel is probably the only guy that can go over 58 on that roster, maybe. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he does it. I'm going to go ride the pine. Oh. It's a health thing. You know, like he has a lot of health issues. He's had surgeries on both of his knees. Um, so... Yeah, that is that is part of my projection. Well, he is an innings eater at time. When he's healthy, he eats up those innings. He loves to gobble them up like Pac-Man. But, you know, if the health is an issue in a short season, that could be detrimental to getting to 58 innings already. So I can see yeah. the point. 
And that does it for Shine or Ride the Pine. It's in the books, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody in between. It is time to close the show. It's been a real pleasure having Ellen on. I say that because that's what you say when it is a real pleasure. You say that because it's true. And <laughs> I believe that this was a show I enjoyed. And I'll look back fondly at this. And as they also say on podcasts, would love to do it again because it's also true. Ellen, thank you for being on the show. Would love to do this again. Please share with the world how they can find you and connect with you because if they do, they will find somebody who's knowledgeable yet entertaining. Oh, thank you. It has been a real pleasure for me and I would love to do it again. And uh, my Twitter handle is at Ellen underscore Adair. That is A-D-A-I-R. And mom is Ellen Adair G. That is just the letter G. At the end there. Like goat or gobble or goblin. Yes, or or which is my married name. So that is what <laughs> it actually stands for. All right. Over that, yes. Uh, Deary, tell the people what's going on and where to find you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, cdeary1999. Uh, I'm probably going to be doing a lot of tweeting in the next couple of days, especially with baseball starting. And maybe I'll throw out some options for some great bets this weekend as we have sports again and we have chances to gamble again uh so look out for uh some of my tweets out this weekend that is true and i think what would be a good idea is if we could find the time to get ellen back during the season to see how the phillies are doing it's like a phillies check-in that'll be really cool because we can look back at this pod see how some of the comments are coming into reality that'll be fun i think that's a great idea i am always wrong about things oh so am i that's <laughs> to know part of me the Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, take a chance. You know, you got to take a risk. Baseball will invariably prove us wrong. <laughs> Especially baseball. Very good point. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of DFS going on. If you're into daily fantasy play, go to rotofanatic.com. We're firing up our DFS season tomorrow. It goes live. Brad Johnson, Baseball A-Team, running the show along with some of our other writers. And you can check out our daily video, Quality Start, on rotofanatic.com. That's what I do. I give you the information on the daily worlds and ongoing of baseball. Please check it out. We appreciate your support. Thank you for listening to the Palazzo Podcast. Two L's, two Z's. Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Palazzo Podcast on Twitter. Check us out. We'll tweet out the show as soon as it goes live. This will be Wednesday evening. In fact, if you're listening now, then it already happened. There's no need for me to say this. I take that back. Thank you, Ellen. It's been a wonderful time talking baseball, having cracking some jokes, and getting serious. We did it all. I think we really did the comprehensive human experience in the show, and I feel good we about it. We did. That. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Mike. It was really fun. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.